Hey, everybody. <laughs> Welcome back to The Collective. We have another fantastic show for you planned out today. I am very excited about this one. I've been looking forward to chatting with you, Dean, for quite some time. Very excited. Now, today we are going to be getting into peak performance, but before we do that, I just want to remind everybody, hit the like button, hit the subscribe, do the notification bell. That way you get your email every day in uh, whenever we go live, which is, of course, every day. Um, before we get into too much uh, of the conversation, by all means, if you have any questions or comments, put them in the comment section and we can put them up and engage them as we go. Any thoughts or questions before we dive into our conversation? Everybody good? No, I'm stoked for it though. Stoked. Let's do it then. So today we're going to be talking about peak performance foundations. And this is going to start an entire week long series talking about peak performance. So we're going to talk about all things peak performance. But right off the bat, I'm going to hit a bit of a definition, which Sean, you actually put out on your Instagram just uh, this morning with the exact definition that I was going to use. So I'm going to use yours as well. And it says... Peak performance refers to a state where an individual or system operates at its highest level of effectiveness, efficiency, and output. It is often associated with optimal cognitive, physical, and emotional functioning. Achieving peak performance involves various factors, strategies, uh, along with some observation and experimentation, which I think is absolutely an outstanding way to look at it. And... Uh, <clears throat> Before we get any further into the conversation, let's. Uh, I want to hear your guys' thoughts. Dean, I'm going to start with you. Mm. What are your What's your initial <laughs> thought on what the foundation of peak performance is? So I think you know out there there's num number of foundations. Depends what what it is. Whether it's a certain sport requires technique, or whether it's a business, or just day to day life. But for me, is is you always have to have an objective. You always have to have an, an endpoint or something that you're you're aiming for. So, for me, when I when I envisage a peak performance, is you have a start point where you are now. You know, some people may be further ahead, some people may be further behind. You have that start point and have your your objective, your finish point. Um, I think if you don't have an objective and you can just continue trying to pursue excellence and not know actually what is it you wanted to achieve, you know, what is the end result from that? And then the, the key one for me is always about planning you know, have a plan, you know, how are you going to get from point A to point B? And then from that plan, you may, you then look internally, it's like, can I do this myself? And I tell you now, no one can do it themselves. You need a team around you and then find the best team to support you. Um, so finding the team to support you and then education as well. You know, so for example, Sean's touched on with my bike ride. I'd never, I'd only cycled 20 miles before I applied for the world record for the world's longest road. So I'd never, cycled anything longer than 20 miles other than the bmx when i was a young boy so for me the best people to get that, that information that education from i was reading magazines i was reading books i was googling um, all the all these uh, biking magazines and getting a lot of information but for me it was speaking to those that have done it before me you know you can't be experienced without experiences so the best people to get that information from are those that have actually been there uh, and done it and then that is also part of your planning is uh, education and I think for me they're the main four pillars uh, uh, and the right attitude I put the right attitude and energy as well you know you have to have the right attitude uh, me and my wife we do a lot of one-on-one um, uh, -on -one coaching um, and now starting to get into the peak performance coaching actually and then people will come to me and say I'm gonna I want to do this um, and I can tell within the first two minutes whether they will or they won't just purely by the tone of their voice and the words that they are using um, as well. And sometimes it may not be them. It may be the team that's around them. And it might be like, you've got the right attitude, but your team doesn't. You need to move that team away. So for me, they're my main pillars when it comes to peak performance. But you can throw, throw in their leadership, excellence, physiology, psychology. But for me, they're the five that I, I think you need as, as the baseline. I really like that. Seb, what are your initial thoughts? Yeah, like there's not much to add to this. I mean, having your systems and subsystems working together to achieve uh, a, an optimal outcome, and that optimal outcome has to be associated with you. It can't necessarily be associated with somebody else. So everybody has, because otherwise you're, you may be taking something that's so lofty that you will never make it. So it's important that, as Dean mentioned, that you have an actionable plan, that this plan is reasonable, and that 
it's incremental and then you can you know set lofty goals but eventually what happens is if you've done it enough and you've released that hold on your central nervous system and all the things that tell you not to do certain things that are uncomfortable you can do things such as what dean did which without preparation without real preparation for a certain event just go out and and basically wing it and and be successful in that but it takes years of practice doing hard things in order to to you know to be successful in that pursuit and uh, and it wasn't reckless by any means because there was a team and everything everything is mentioned so uh yeah just establish establish a, an outcome a desirable outcome that optimizes your you know your life and your and your capacity and then go for it in incremental steps okay sean thoughts yeah there's a couple of things that came to mind as i was listening to uh the two fellows and um i think maybe first thing i'd like to kick out is uh in respect to peak performance you've got to consider whether it's a solo journey or a team journey now i know that we're separating uh, or I'm separating solo and team, but it's already been said that you've got to have a team around you to see success. And I, there's, I cannot agree with that more strongly. But you can be a, on a solo journey surrounded by a team, or you can be in a team surrounded by a team. So you can try to be the best or a World Cup soccer team. Now you're not just an individual, you're in the team surrounded by a team. Uh, versus uh, as Dean did when he was uh, riding down uh, south on his bike uh, for uh, just sh uh, approximately 100 days. Um, he was surrounded by a team, but he's a solo person. And, and those are two very different environments. Mm -hmm. And so uh, in respect to peak performance, we could just take those two uh, distinctions and play with those for the rest of the hour. Uh, so I just want to uh, illustrate that You've got to understand whether you're singular or team-based. Uh, beyond that, something that Dean said that I thought was interesting was he was listing off some foundations and he got a bit excited when he said planning. Are, you're a planner. You enjoy the planning process, right? Yeah. My, my wife is a planner. She loves the planning process. She's a professional engineer and she loves the planning. Mm -hmm. uh, whereas I, I, I love the chaos. And so uh, I'm not saying that Dean doesn't like chaos. I'm just saying that Dean likes planning. And so the reason I'm uh, target locking on that is because that's, that's what I just did as a coach or as a um, uh, working with someone who's focusing on their peak performance. I'm identifying their individual characteristics. As Dean said, I can tell like within seconds whether they're going to be successful or not, but it's my job to pay attention to the individual in front of me, just as I did with Dean and think he likes planning. So now it's my job to ensure that he's really immersed in the fun aspects of his individual journey where I'm getting him to do more planning. When he's down, I'm going to bring him up through the planning or whatever the case is. And so peak performance is about knowing yourself. And if you don't know yourself, get a team that knows you better than you know yourself. That's how you're going to keep moving forward successfully. So for all the folks that are out there that are new to the game of pursuing peak performance, you've got to consider what your, what, what your excitement triggers are and start actioning against them to start uh, seeking some, um, some positive outcomes. And if you, if you don't know yourself well enough to identify those uh, excitement triggers, then get a good coach or a good team around you that can sort of x-ray scan you and understand you better than you understand yourself and then start actioning those things for you in the background. Yeah. You got any thoughts on that? Yeah, I think we've, uh, uh, on, on Sean's one is, is yes, like planning, I always say have a, have a plan. Um, but also don't get too upset if it doesn't go to plan. Um, you know, for me, the planning was to get to me to the start point. So as, as you've touched on, I got a coach, I actually went to an original coach before and he didn't have the right attitude. You know, I was about to do, I'd only been cycling a couple of weeks, about to cycle the, the length of the UK, it's called Lands End John O'Groves. And he said, oh, 
we're going to be doomed. And, and that, that word doomed, I was like, okay, this guy, I found, I found him in one of the bike magazines as the biking guru. And I was like, okay, uh, this guy doesn't understand me. So something you, um, you also picked up on earlier as well is Seb is that don't compare yourself to others. You know, I have a history, you know, I, I was, you know, in the military went to the SBS. So, I'm not a cyclist, but I have got experience in endurance and doing other things. I just needed to sort of bring that into the into the cycling community. So, he, yeah, he told me I was doomed. I, I, I phoned my friend and we, I went and did it the following week. You know, I did everything completely wrong in the cycling world because, you know, you said you weren't bike fit. And I thought bike fit was actually fitness when, in fact, it's your measurements to your bike. You know, I did it all completely wrong. <laughs> but, for me, I, I had to do that challenge because the bike ride I was doing was 15 Lands End John O'Groats back to back. So for me, it was a, it had to be a mental boost. So so planning for me was planning just to get to the start point. With some of these big challenges I see with people, if you get to the start point uninjured with all the kit, you're 75% of the way there. Everything else is is down to you. So my planning was very intricate in, in the training aspect. And, 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 my, and I found another training instructor who was actually only lived five miles from me. But as soon as I met him, told him what I was going to do, he, you know, he never showed me any doubt. You know, he said, right, this is, this is the plan. But actually the success of the actual bike ride itself was being reactive to the situation as it changed on the ground, which was very much from what I was used to in my time in the military. As you know, we'll get dropped into situations where there is no infrastructure. There is no, you know, there's nothing there, but you still have an objective. So, for me, I contradict myself. Especially when I'm, I tell people the importance of a plan, which is, is true. Have a plan, have a basic plan, but also react to those changes. Don't get too upset if it doesn't go to plan as well. And, and for me, that came from the experiences I had either in the military or in the private security sector. And just the final one with me on this challenge, I just took a military set of orders. I put it on here and I just crossed out ammunition because, as you know, in the military, when we're planning things, we tend to cover most eventualities, actions on, you cover about, um, you know, medical, food, water, shelter, you know, you go through, through it all. You have a mission, which is your objective. Um, so that's all I did. I just used a military set of orders. I mean, as I learned more about cycling, I started bringing that into the plan as well. I like that. <clears throat> uh, I got a comment here, but uh, any other thoughts on this before I jump onto that comment? Just a quick story that uh, backs up uh, what Dean was saying. Uh, I didn't have a clue about uh, racing bikes or riding bikes myself uh, mm -hmm. when I got out of tier one. Uh, maybe like yourself, I yeah. I didn't I didn't have a wife at the time to tell me, go find something hard, mm -hmm. or you'll have to leave the house. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't have a wife to tell me that, so I had yeah. to go find out my own solution. What I did was I just wandered into a bike shop, bought the first bike that looked good, and started riding it. And I rode it long enough, uh, you know, a few months or whatever, that I thought, I'm going to go race. And I signed up for my first race, just a Cat 5, Category 5 race, uh, no big deal. Uh, but I, I looked down the line to my left and right at all these skinny guys, and I thought, I'm going to freaking crush these nerds. Because <laughs> I just got out of Tier 1, and I'm really fit. Not bike fit, just really fit. And uh, that was the last time I saw those guys when the gun went off. I never saw them again. And, and I've said this before publicly that I was so slow in context of them that when I crossed the finish line, they were tearing the finish line down because the race had been over for so long. I was so dead last. I never saw those guys again. That's how my cycling started. But that, that moment taught me a lesson. Like you got to eat that humble pie and realize that, wow, new thing new suck and so uh, that led to a 15-year career of high performance race coaching athletes all around the world and you know becoming a world champion in, in ultra endurance racing and i at one point i was standing on the line like a village idiot and the next i'm standing on a podium getting a medal that's how life goes man if you're open to the adventure as it were mm, yeah. i like that Seb, you got any thoughts on anything else yeah just what what uh, dean to reemphasize what Dean's said about adaptability. I mean, to me, adaptability is the interference with doubt. 
Like you have, because you, you know, if you, if you're rigid in your, in your, in your mindset, and as soon as at the first sign of adversity, and we know that no plan survives first, first contact. And as soon as that happens, you have to have the ability to adapt so that you stop yourself from disabling whatever it is that you have on. Because once those little disabling voices and mechanisms start kicking in, good luck. It, it, the more adversity gets piled on, the more it gets compounded, the more likely you are to find a way out, create one. I like that. Yeah, yeah. And, and and I think that one reason that uh, Dean uh, wouldn't have quit in that hundred, probably wanted to quit several times, but one reason he didn't quit during that hundred day effort was because he had a higher purpose than just his own whining, Agreed. his own moaning, his own complaints, his own problems. Uh, as an ultra endurance racer, I know how hard it can be, but you can't, you've got to have something higher than yourself than just your own whining voice. And uh, I think that's a, a real critical part of this conversation when we get into peak performance foundations. We can align all of the various, you've got to do this, you've got to do that, you've got to think about this, etc. But at the end of the day, if you're just doing it for you, that's mm. often not enough to achieve peak performance. Yeah, I think, go for it. Yeah, I think uh, um, Sean and Seb, you know, there is no plan B. Um, uh, just to put some context of what Sean was saying. So I, I applied for the world record because that was something that I, that was my objective to get me out and training every day. That was something I had to aim for. Um, but then we did it for a charity and we were raising a million pounds. And so, you know, for me, when the when there was dark times on the bike ride, I would sort of see. You no, know, I met one of the schools, for example, and each they would get a hundred thousand pounds, which enabled fourteen thousand children to speak to counsellors. So, and that was just one of the eleven charities. So, for me, I would then relate that to the bike ride. That meant every mile I was cycling meant that a, a child was going to um, see a counsellor, and then you know where the veteran money went to, where the postnatal depression went, and so. It is it's more than you and if you're doing it for yourself and it, then it, it's very easy to say well actually I, I give up you know we we um we had a fundraising event six weeks after i finished the challenge we were planning that fundraising event and fifty thousand pound deposit was already down six months before i even went off so even before i'm on the challenge <laughs> we're planning the welcome back part. And I'm like, no pressure know, though no yeah no pressure at all but Amanda, who was who ran the event for us, you know, very, um, she's amazing. You know, we had a committee, and she said, "What is the contingency?" And I never used to answer her. I used to smirk, and uh, well, Alana, my wife, would answer and say, "We'll go to Dean's funeral. That's the contingency." But actually, when I came back, I spoke to her and I sat down and I said, "Look, Amanda, if I'm in that meeting and you're already thinking about contingencies and giving me options, when it gets hard and when it gets dark, your body will naturally, you'll naturally want to veer towards that contingency." So for me, there was no contingency. There was no outs. The only way or the only way to the end was the 14,000 miles. And so when I explained it to her in that aspect, she, she sort of got it. But yeah, I, you speak to, again, it's the attitude of the person you're chatting to when you're talking about this. You know, when they're like, well, we have a contingency. If we don't do that, you know, that's, that's, that's the wrong attitude and, uh, to be to be a. Uh, to be displaying uh, there should be no plan b it should be the only objective is the object as with all of us in the special forces that's what it was we never looked at a plan b it was always the the mission there wasn't a mission a and mission b it was mission mission and objective that meant we didn't get any alternative options that was it and so just put that into this hmm. it's similar to uh you know burning the boats once you hit the shore burn the boats and then there's no yeah. way back <laughs> exactly yeah yeah, that's interesting. Um, now I have a couple comments here. Any other thoughts before I jump into these? Okay. Uh, so just a quick one. KH says, good day, gents. Good to see you, Carl. Uh, interference of doubt. I really like that too. Um, and then the River Viking jumps on here with a question. He says, should it be something that you love already? Or do you think it can be something you learn to love? As in finding something to be a peak performer in? What do you guys think? Mm -hmm. Seb, I'm going to start with you. What do you think? Yeah, I don't let emotions dictate what I'm going to do. If there's a reason for it, and, and if I love it, if I just so happen to love it, then it's a bonus. But if I don't, perhaps it's the best thing for me to do is something that perhaps is catering to some of my weaknesses or something, some of the things that I'm less comfortable with. And so I don't give too much into the emotion 
associated with a certain event. Mm -hmm. It will be more about, and yes, I will acknowledge those emotions, how I feel about it, and I will try to question why it is that I feel a certain way so that I can get to the bottom of it. If the answer is I'm uncomfortable, there, there could be a very valid reason, and I might have a blind spot here that I haven't been looking at. And so that might be an even a, a better reason to get engaged in it. And so it's important to acknowledge emotions as I do on a daily basis, but also it's important to know when to say they don't run the show kind of deal. Mm, like that. Dean, you got any thoughts on this? Yeah, I think, you know, using my bike ride as an example, I'd never cycled before, so I didn't love it before. Um, and similar situation with Sean, when I first did my century ride, I got take, overtaken by lower 70-year-olds and things. So I, I was humbled quite quickly. But as I started getting into it, I did start to learn to love it. And I think if you go into, again, Seb, it's a, it's a bonus that you love it already. There also can be reverse psychology. You may love it at the beginning, and then as you're getting into it more, <laughs> learn to hate it. Um, so, you know, I mean, it's, um, you've got to be careful. But I think do something. That, for me, I had to do something that took me out of my comfort zone, a bit like you touched on there, there Seb. And so... For me, that was my motivator. And also my motivator is I like to prove people wrong. Um, you know, we did our SWOT analysis, the strengths, the weaknesses, opportunities, threats. And the only weakness came back was my arrogance towards the cycling community, which I took as a strength. So, you know, I thought, you know what I mean? My, my, no one actually ever said that, you know, in fairness from the cycling, how it could be perceived. But it's like my father telling me I'd last two minutes in the military. There's no point in arguing the best course of action is action itself. So that was my inner motivator as well. So for me, I, I took on a sport I, I'd said I didn't love because I didn't really know much about it, but soon started to fall in love with it as I went along. Mm, I like that. Sean, what do you think? Yeah, I think that's... Uh, <laughs> I have some similarities. And uh, <laughs> I think that... Uh, <laughs> I, I think that it's... I think it's awesome that, um, Dean, you came to the realization at whatever point in your life that the, this is the way you're wired and this is how you run your personal program and this is how you like to interact with the world. The better that we can understand ourselves, the better we can do in life, We the more we can peak perform. And so yeah. um, I think that... Uh, so Chance, you'd started with my definition that I put up on my IG story this morning, mm -hmm. which was, you know, it's a good definition, I think. But the other half of the IG story, so I kind of defined peak performance, what it means to me. But then I, actually I focused on the adventuring part. So the, the post was not about peak performance. It was about adventuring will take you to peak performance. Uh, and why? Because an adventure usually involves things like uh, facing the unknown, getting uncomfortable, things getting a little chaotic, uh, you're not in control. It's it's putting you in touch with new thoughts and new uh, points of view, a, a different view of the world, as it were. And as you eat new food and drink weird water and see different clothes, and that's a tree I never knew existed. All of these things make us richer in the moment. They make us more three-dimensional. And without the spirit of adventure, I find that peak performance can feel a little bit forced. And so uh, it's, it's fine to take a very clinical or sterile, uh, clean, one-dimensional trajectory towards peak performance. And at the end of it, you'll achieve some peak performance and you can look back and you can see the science-based model of this was a perfect trajectory for me to be peak. But I think the I think the more beautiful journey is the chaos, the adventure, the unknown, stepping into the void, just like Dean did, grabbed a bike and started getting after it, and uh, without really knowing what he was doing, and maybe getting some bad advice along the way. I love when I get bad advice; it's freaking <laughs> awesome, because sometimes I believe it, like I did in my first uh, world championship, and I ended up in uh, emergency with uh, internal bleeding because somebody gave me some bad advice. And uh, I learned from it. I didn't die. Uh, and I can look back at that and laugh and then tell that story to all of the athletes that I've coached over the years as to why don't be me. I've had lots of don't be me moments, but that's what's made my, if, if I ever can claim that I'm some form of a peak performer, my peak performances came out of the, the wildness of it, the... Um, the 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 chaos of it the unknown of it the adventure of it i think that at the end of the day if you can claim you're a peak performer in a 
in a laboratory setting uh, versus be a peak performer where you're covered in dirt and you don't even know how you got there and you're you're still a little bit uh, sideways from the moment. That's what I want to be. I, I don't want to have such a sterile, clean trajectory towards peak performance that I didn't get a bit of dust on me, you know? Mm. You got any thoughts on that, Dean? Uh, yeah, no, I was actually just thinking about my challenge itself, actually, the, the adventure. That was one thing. So when we were looking at the challenge, I was looking at Cairo to Cape Town. That's one thing that jumped out at me. But I'd actually, in the security industry, worked all over Africa. And then Alana then found the world's longest road. And I thought, yeah, that's something I've never, somewhere I've never been to. And that's always kept me going as well, because I wanted to see to see the sites uh, as well. But I think, I mean, another point uh, Sean mentioned as well, you know, he learned from that. But a lot of people nowadays are scared of the word failure. I don't think there's a word failure. You know, what Sean, Sean didn't fail there. He had an experience. You know what I mean? And, and that experience, as I said at the beginning, you can't be experienced without experiences. Um, and so I think that also puts people off as well when they're looking at some of these big challenges. When I talk, you know, it's the fear of failing. It's that. It's, it's not failure. It's experience. As long as you can learn from that experience, if you repeat that same, and you did that again, Sean, if you did that again on the next ride, then you haven't learned from that experience, then yes, you know, you know, but it's, it's learning from that and not repeating. Um, and I think that sometimes getting, gets in people's heads as well. You know, for me, when I did this, the bike ride, the, we had the documentary team of that, you know, this guy shows no emotion. It's like a military operation. And actually I spoke to them afterwards and, you know, I had no pressure from my sponsors. I had no pressure from the charities. Um, it was my own self-induced pressure. I told the world that the ethos of the UK Special Forces was the unrelenting pursuit of excellence. I said, how does it look to me if I don't do this challenge? I would never be able to walk into a bar again with the SAS and SPS. So actually, it was my own self-induced <laughs> pressure. Um, and, and so I think some people as well, that's what beats them up or eats them up as well, is, is, there, is their own, um, own self-induced pressure. But, um, but yeah, don't worry about the word failure. It's all experiences. You know, I would never, I would never uh, diss anyone who, who tried something and failed. I probably would if they never tried. Yeah. So have you got any thoughts on this before I got a couple of points, but you want to hit it? Yeah, sure. It comes down to the men in the arena, right? Like I just, I just, failure is, is such an interesting concept because the people that seem to care less about it, the people that are exposed to it the most. And then we've all seen, you know, great guys not make it for 0.04 of a second or whatever on an evolution or whatever the case may be. And we all know that we have, we, we would have taken those guys anywhere. So we know that the difference between passing and failing was a very small margin that none of us has had any control over uh, at times. And, and so, but it's interesting how you're not used to that world. Generally we shelter people against failure by having courses designed a certain way so that people are successful by having and so now it, it just feeds into that whole i'm afraid of failure piece which i i think is a critical piece brought on by uh, by dean here but also perception of failure it completely out of your control the perception that you are failing at whatever it is that you take on is is not up to you People can perceive that. I could be the most successful businessman in the world right now, and they look at me and it's like he's a failure as a father because he spent way too much time you know, working. And you can extrapolate this in a variety of different settings. You can't control what other people will think, and, and you shouldn't try to. You know, Control what you can control, which is you and the pursuit of what you are doing and why you are doing it. Been chatting to my kids, Seb, have you? i'm sure he'd be willing i'm sure he would be willing 100 percent um any other thoughts i got a couple comments and a point i want to make but you guys can yeah, I, do. Yeah, I do i do and and so the pressure that we place on ourselves that's the thing that we can control the pressure that others put on us we can't control that but to dean's point <clears throat> he said that he had some sponsors and uh, I just, I flashed through your IG page uh, about uh, 10 minutes before I jumped into my IG uh, chat and gave you a follow. And so, um, <laughs> not like it matters, but uh, <laughs> don't even worry about it. But as I was flicking through it, I think I saw that you, were you sponsored by Orbea? So yeah, the bike, the bike was Orbea. Yes. Yeah. Um, okay. In, in, yeah. But interesting enough, there was a bike sponsor before that. It was Cannondale. 
um, and Cannondale UK were all on board it, but they didn't have enough um, budget. So it went to Cannondale US. So I, I had a big figurehead as well on this challenge. Prince Harry and I, you know, did a promo video together. It was his charity. So actually that was a, that is more of a burden than an advantage having someone like that on it. So Cannondale US came back and said, we'll do it if we can get a photo with Harry on the bike. And I was like, you're doing it for the wrong reasons. This is a mental health challenge. So still didn't have a bike sponsor and bravely told them to, uh, to pack their bags and, and bugger off. Um, but yeah, then got introduced to Orbea and you know, they, theirs wasn't about getting the, the, the photo. It was about trying to promote, um, physical activity helping your mental state uh, as well so yeah thankfully they came on and I new to the cycling world I didn't realize they all, their sister company was Orca which gave me the Lycra as well so it was a two for one that's awesome so I, I I'm glad that that was the case because uh, I also raced for Orbea oh, wow. and uh, they I, I was spot I was sponsored a sponsored racer by Specialized uh, when I was racing down in Texas for a couple of years and then uh, when we moved back to Canada um, one of my athletes that I coached was connected with Orbea and he said, Hey, uh, we'd like to put you on our bikes. And I said, let's do that. So yeah. I've got three Orbeas hanging in my garage right now. And, uh, two of them are single speeds. One of them is a one by 10 uh, mountain bikes. And, uh, I love them, man. And, yeah. uh, I, the reason that I brought up the, the conversation about Orbea is because you'd said that, um, the, the sponsors weren't putting any pressure on you. But in my world, um, me, not, not the world, in, in my mind, whether the sponsor's putting pressure on me or not to provide this or that or the other thing, I don't care because them sponsoring me is all the pressure that I need. Now I'm going to double down on my efforts because someone is providing me support, someone, a, a larger team around me to whatever infinitesimally small degree that they're supporting me, now I'm responsible to perform for them. Just the simple act of giving me free bikes makes me go way harder because I don't wanna let down my sponsor to some degree. And so I think that uh, for any sponsors that are out there, uh, if, if uh, your expectations are unrealistic, just dial them down because know that the, just know that the athlete feels the pressure of wanting to represent the sponsorship as it were, most good athletes anyway. Uh, obviously there's people who take advantage of the system in both uh, uh, respects. So I think that uh, as an athlete or as someone who is in the game of trying to peak perform, the moment that a sponsor gets involved with you, it should make you work a bit harder. Yeah, 100%. Uh, Dean, you got any thoughts on any, anything else? Yeah, I probably didn't feel I had much pressure from Orbea. No, I built a relationship with them anyway, and they knew the, the background. But actually, the bike I rode was an Orbea Terra, which had just been launched. It was an all-road all bike. And so when I finished, uh, the guy I deal with, Damien's like, ah, I said, I didn't know whether that bike, you know, because I, I was almost test riding it. I said, well, it's just broke two world records, so it's good. So that's probably why I didn't have pressure from them. They're probably looking, hoping it, it makes the full journey. So, uh, <laughs> so uh, I, I, I tested that, but no, uh, yeah, no pressure. But we had, in kit sponsor, we had a monetary sponsor, St. James's Place Wealth Management. They they gave us half a million pound sponsorship as a non-cyclist. They believed in the challenge and what we were doing. But also, the day before I took off, we had a, a big annual company meeting and then a, a dinner that evening. They raised 265,000 pounds and then matched it pound for pound. So before wow. I'd even taken off, they'd already raised 530,000 pounds before I went. So they're the sort of pressures that you're uh, you're sort of dealing with internally but um but no, i sort of I, I i got myself in a good position i wasn't really worried uh, about the challenge and the reason for that was is i always i hit my objectives at the, and i always hit the objectives i set out for the day i see people doing challenges and they're like you know i'm 10 miles behind today what i'll do is i'll catch up tomorrow is don't do that stay on that bike or whatever you're in that kayak whatever you're doing stay on that and hit your objective because you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. You may have another bad day and I'll be 20, 30 mile behind. But finish the day in the right mindset. You are where you should be. Uh, and then, you know, it all then comes. And I think that was, by the end of the first week, I was 30 miles behind target. And by target, it was still a week ahead of the world record. And then everything then 
was then gains. I was always ahead of the world record from then on. So I never really doubted uh, myself because I was hitting the objectives that I set out. That's fantastic. Now, Seb, you got something? I just gave yourself a buffer as well, right? Like, so anything happens, you have a built-in buffer now, whereas yeah. if you're using that buffer, and it's funny because people will extrapolate this type of attitude in their everyday life. Like, I'm supposed to study. I'll just wait till tomorrow and I'll stay tomorrow. No, tomorrow yeah. something else will come up. <laughs> yeah, well, just... we, yeah, we call it fudge. You call it yeah. fudge in the military, you give yourself that fudge. Because when I was doing the planning, there was things that are out of my control, natural disasters, coups, you know, third party influence. So I gave myself that that weak fudge. And I said, well, look, if any of that shouldn't happen, which is out of my control, because you can't control the uncontrollables, as we touched on. There's things that you just can't control. If we encounter that, it eats into that week. It doesn't eat into my record. And so I'd set a target of 110 days rather than 117 for, to factor that in. Awesome. Yeah, fantastic. Now, I do want to get back to the, the foundations of peak performance and <clears throat> just want to hit out a couple comments here which I really like. Carl jumped in. He said, uh, being open to growing into the activity, which I think is an absolutely outstanding concept. Uh, Gray Man Dad said, I think the foundation of all peak performance uh, individuals is the mentality and commitment to being disciplined, which I think is absolutely correct. He says, because without discipline and commitment, commitment, we aren't able to achieve what we set out to do. Again, really solid. Uh, well, that, that is true, as long as yeah. we're throwing in consistency into that sentence. Consistency, yeah, that's a great one, too. Um, and then uh, Simple JR, what's up, guys? Good to see you, buddy. And then, uh, so I was reading up on peak performance just uh, before we got started, and I found this really interesting concept that said, uh, it was talking about motivation as a foundation to all peak performance. And I was like, motivation? Like, really? Is that, <laughs> that doesn't seem right. And he, the, they defined it as uh, possessing a clear, compelling vision for where you're headed and why this matters. Most people don't lack motivation. They lack clarity. If you desire more motivation, get a clearer vision and know your why. And we've talked about knowing your why quite a bit. But I was wondering what your guys' thoughts on that are in terms of, do you think clarity is a, a good foundation? Or do you think uh, it something else dean i'm gonna start with you what do you think yeah i think you know it's probably back to my uh, when i when i said mate what is your objective if your objective is your, is your is your clarity what is it you're trying to to achieve um yeah motivation depends yeah motivation and clarity i i, I get it you have to be motivated <laughs> yeah you have to be motivated but i i call motivation discipline um as well but for me i my why was i had I had a few whys why was my why was to break the world record why because i wanted to help these people in mental health uh, my own why was what was to so i can walk into a bar in hereford so i had a few a few a few whys uh, <laughs> in there um because i think if you don't have a why when it is because it's almost like when it is dark when it is snowing you know why am i doing this you know why am i doing this and so for me that's why before i went on the challenge we met all the charities and i could see i could see the why i could see the impact and what i w w was doing and that, that does make it a little bit easier so but like i say everyone might not be doing it for a charity they may be doing it to lose weight you know what i mean so i do think you know the motivation the clarity uh is your objective absolutely seb what do you think yeah, it's really interesting that when you start talking about motivation and, and discipline, there, there's all kinds of arguments that can be made, but there is, there is, a, they're interconnected, very strongly interconnected. And really what motivation is, is adrenaline and epinephrine. That's, that's all this is. And so one of the, I guess for me and the way I kind of look at it is having the self-discipline to go from the, the roadmap that I established or from step to step so that I can get my next boost of motivation, you know? So it, it's almost like, it's almost like I'm doing what I have to do right now. It gives me this little kick, you know, I'm, I'm good to go. And then I'm, I'm, I'm looking, you know, at a distance to see where I'm going next. And the self-discipline part is to stay on the path in between those hits if that makes sense and so i i don't i don't truly believe that people in, and i do believe that some people are being very, very disingenuous when they say that motivation plays no part in their training or whatever it is that they are doing because motivations 
will come you know like if you're if you're anybody and 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 something that you're taking on has uh, a rewarding factor to it well there will be some motivation that will come in you know just just physiologically is it's going to happen and so to say that you absolutely don't need it is is i think disingenuous but relying on it is a completely different thing so for me i i just i just try to align and follow the process that makes me feel the way i need to feel to continue going forward I like that sean you got some thoughts if we're if we're talking about clarity and it's is it essential or not for me it isn't <clears throat> i don't need clarity uh, I just need commitment. That's it. That's all. It's a C word, but it's a different C word. And uh, once I commit to something, that's it. Get out of the way uh, until it's done, until the mission is accomplished, whatever that mission is. And so uh, the other key word is consistency, of course, uh, not clarity. I'll gain clarity along the way. Now, clarity is different than, or sorry, clarity towards peak performance. Clarity is different than my why. My why, right, as Dean said at the get-go, uh, he started understanding his why. And I'm pretty clear with myself right at the start of something why I'm involved in it. And once I understand my why, then I just set a 10-year project. And I'll gain clarity along the way. And it might take me a year. It might take me two years. Just like this podcasting thing, it took me about a year and a half or whatever year I suppose it was until I started to get a sense of my 10 year project on this podcasting thing. Once I had clarity, then it, it'll take me where it needs to take me for, on behalf of everyone who's asking me to podcast. So for a while I was lost in the non-clarity moment. I knew that it was a 10 year project. I knew that I had committed to it and I knew that it was for all the right reasons. So I knew my why. I just didn't have clarity. For me, clarity comes along the journey. I don't need to see it very clearly on day one. In fact, I'll, I'll go so far as to say this. Anything that I've done in my life that is semi-notable, when I reflect back on it, I, I can see that I had no idea what I was doing. But a decade or two decades later, I did all right. So I don't need the clarity. The clarity shows up along the journey. I like that. Dean, you got any thoughts to add to it? No, I, I, again, I, I can relate to what Sean was saying. I sometimes look back and think, how did I do that? You know, there's an element of winging it, <laughs> planning, mm -hmm. um, but as, you know, just learning from it uh, as well. But I think one you touched on as well is that commitment as well. I see people, again, when I talk to people and they're like, I'm going to do this challenge, okay, um, but they don't set a start date. They don't commit to it. You know, once you've committed, let the world know you're doing it and then you can't turn back. You know, and that's what I do. I get myself in a position where I tell everyone I'm doing it, put it out there, do videos with Prince Harry. I mean, there's, there's no turning back. And that's your motivation uh, to go forward. So yeah, commitment's a, a key one. You, otherwise you can keep planning forever. <laughs> you know what I mean? Commitment is, is actually putting a date in the diary. And, then, and it's actually easier once you put a date in to then start coming back. But yeah, commitment's key. Absolutely. Seb, you got any points on this? Yeah, just my example of mixed martial arts is probably one of the best examples. Like there's I, just so many of the greatest fighters are, are getting in there. Whereas much more skilled athletes with a lot more, you know, broad range of skills and abilities are, are, are waiting to be perfect and this and that and the other thing. And, and eventually they never make, they never make it in the cage and they talk themselves out of it. Whereas some guys just go in there and do the thing. And next thing you know, you know, they are at the top of the heap. So yeah, is this decision commitment? I like it. <clears throat> now let's, uh, let's start talking about, we've talked about quite a bit so far, but uh, I want to talk about, let's say, people who have never done anything before anything in terms of like difficult they've never been in the military they, they have no concept of what it is to be a peak performer within themselves where do you begin where do we start like how what advice i guess or what uh pathway would you set someone on to achieve their own peak performance what, what are some of the first steps you think somebody should go down i'm going to start with sean and then we'll work our way around. What do you think, Sean? Sure. For, for me, it's a pretty easy answer. It's make an adventure. Turn the day into an adventure or turn your week into an adventure or turn your life into an adventure. If, you're, if your day is Groundhog Day, if every day is the same day, 
you get up, you eat the same breakfast, you get in the same car, you take the same route to work, you get in the same cubicle, you do the same work, you drive. If that's what you do every day, pattern interrupt yourself by setting up a, an adventure, whatever that means to you. Go to a, a city that you've never been before. In fact, you want to you wanna have a little bit of fun with it. Walk out your front door if you've never been on a bus before. Go stand at the bus stop. And the first bus that stops at the bus stop, get on it and see where it takes you. A couple hours later, you'll get off the bus. You'll be in a new place. You'll be eating new food. You'll be seeing new people and you'll figure new things out. And along the way, your mind will expand. Just on the bus, it'll start expanding. People that you've never seen before getting on and off. I wonder what that guy's all about. I wonder why she wears those rubber boots. I don't, what's with the umbrellas? Why are they carrying three umbrellas right now? All of these things that we're not exposed to in our normal patternized life, in order to expand into a more three-dimensional model, we have to seek adventure. Yeah, 100%. <clears throat> uh, Seb, what do you think? Yeah, I'm always behind the adventure talks because there's nothing that beats it as far as as far as life goes, as far as life enjoyment goes. Um, you know, what I would say to somebody that that is looking at doing at doing something has never done anything like this. I would say if there are things that you are that you have some strengths on, start with that. You know, and sometimes you you can do something that's very uncomfortable, but that you're still somewhat familiar with. So you start working a bit of that inoculation in there. And then the next time, take something on that you know a little less about. And this is, it depends who you are because some people just love trial by fire, man. They just, they it really doesn't matter. They want to be as uncomfortable as possible. But then if you don't know this about yourself, how are you going to know that? You know, so you in order for you to realize that you're, you like trial by, by fire, you need to have been you know, in a trial by fire. <laughs> so if you haven't, now you need to figure it out. How how are your inner workings in relation to negotiating the world around you and the and the uncomfortableness? So if you want to start in a in a reasonable way where it's not utterly terrifying, but it's also uncomfortable, start with something that you do well in and 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 make it you know five times worse than you've ever done or or different and 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 until you feel that feeling of uncomfortableness and then go for it and see how you grow as a result of that and next time take something else that's a little less comfortable and a little less comfortable and do it daily or weekly or whatever you know set set up your because this is another another piece of this is if you set some forth and you go for it over the course of nine months you know now you're planning you're doing this you're doing that you're injecting so much comfort in that discomfort it's not necessarily beneficial as much as it would be if you made some moves so make some moves you know start testing the field start testing what you're made of what you're all about i like that i like it a lot uh dean you got some thoughts Ben, you know what is you know whether it's in What's your objective? Is it in, want to be an athlete? Is it a good business leader or whatever? So the, for me, we're very fortunate nowadays that we have access to so much information. Uh, so many people have achieved great, great things. And so first one is, as, as Seb's touched on, you know, what are your strengths and what are your weaknesses? You know, what do you need to work on? Um, and be honest as well. Um, you know, I, identify them and then try and learn as much as you can from, from others, from podcasts, from books, etc. But, you know, you can listen to as many podcasts as you want and many books until you actually go commit and do it yourself. You're not going to get experienced. Um, and so, again, it's about education um, and then making making that plan. I'll keep going back to the plan. Making a plan, staying disciplined and having commitment. I, I, I did do a, I, I guess, spoke back in the UK on a leadership summit and there was three speakers. There was me from the Special Forces. There was the England rugby captain and a guy in finance. And actually... It was exactly the same message in just different backgrounds. And so this is the thing, whatever, whatever peak performance perform you look at, it'll be a similar messaging, but whatever you're going to, whether you're doing sport or, or, or business. Um, but for me, the information's out there. You know, I spoke to the previous rec record holders and they gave me all the information I needed, you know, because I asked, you know, don't be scared to ask, uh, ask people as well. Um, yeah, but that, 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 that was, that was very helpful for me. Absolutely. <clears throat> I do love, uh, don't be afraid to ask. That was one of the first things I, I struggled with when I got into podcasting was, I don't know if I should ask this guy or I should ask this person or maybe, I don't know, they'll knock it. Gonna... doesn't matter. 
ask. The worst they can say is no, cool, move on to the next one, right? And uh, that was such a big step forward, and it allowed me to get you on the podcast too, Dean. It allowed me to get Seb. It allowed me to get Sean. Everybody. It was awesome. So um, now I want to go one step further from foundations talking about somebody who has you know never uh, had an issue or never engaged in it. Let's talk about people who are, say, semi-engaged. The people who think that they're athletes or think that they're pretty good. They're, they have a pretty good handle on their fitness. They have a pretty good handle on their business life, their family. Life. They're kind of mid-range maybe athletes, I guess, would be a kind of an, an angle for it, but they've never been able to get to the peak. They've never stri- strove, striven. I can't think of the word. <laughs> Let's uh, go with strived. Strived <laughs> for that peak. They've never actually <laughs> gone for it. So what uh, what would you guys say would be the, the way to get someone over that hump to get uh, to that next level? And Dean, I'm going to start with you. What do you think? Probably identify why it isn't why is they haven't taken that that step? I actually saw it a lot in the in the military. I was tier two special forces, but I went tier one, and there was a lot of guys I know who were tier two who could have easily gone tier one. But you know, and I don't know whether it was that that word again, fear of failure. They got to a point in their life they were comfortable and they you know they felt they were happy and they didn't want to commit in case they failed and feel like they, they you know they weren't the person that they thought they would be. So for me, is about is taking that leap. You know, those who who fear are those who who is within their reach, but it's just that uh, uh, fear of fear of failure. So I've, I've seen that before. You know, when I did my, uh, my bike ride, there's those that who well within their reach, congratulate you. Those who would never be able to do it, congratulate. And there's those in the middle who is within their reach and they're the ones who are trying to pull you back because they know that you, you did, you did, you did commit and you did make it as well. Um, and one phrase I always use as well is for those who are, are a bit worried and you touched on it as well earlier, Sean, when looking back, you know, anticipation is worse than participation. Yeah. You know, a lot of people are already talking themselves out of it. But actually, when you do it, you then look back like, actually wasn't that bad as well. But I think failure, that that sort of, that fear of failure, that's what's stopping a lot of people who are more than capable of doing it. Uh, <clears throat> Deb, got some thoughts? Yeah, I like all of that. I I tend to focus on my failing to try. So if I'm going to come down on myself and have a critical conversation and 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 question some of my actions, it will be it will be in relation to having failed to try, not having failed, you know. <laughs> and so I just uh, that's kind of how I run the program and I and I do believe that if a person is midway through success and hasn't achieved a level of peak performance and they wanted to achieve a level of peak performance as Dean alluded to find out what the reasons are, but also sometimes you might want to look at what, what is the balance here, you know, and that's important as a coach, if you're coming in and the person says to you, I want to obsess over X, Y, and Z and achieve this. Well, right now you have a moderately a decent family life. You have a decent, this, you have a decent, that balance might go off for temporary temporary state of affairs you know you might find yourself going off a bit so it, it's important to have those conversations but generally choosing to be or achieving peak performance is a choice you make that choice you commit to that choice and so yeah. uh sean thoughts i think it comes back to reminding someone of their why and so if someone starts out on day one as they want to be a, um, a world record holder in cycling and uh, 127 days of training later, they're struggling a little bit. Maybe they're mid-pack now and uh, they want to get to the front of that pack, but they're plateaued because they are stuck in a repetitive loop of, I'm going pretty hard. I'm doing pretty good. Um I'm doing a lot of things right, uh, but I just can't move out of this plateau. Why can't I be at the front of the pack? Why am I in the middle of the pack? Then I just ask them the simple question, why are we doing this? Why are you doing this? Why are you in this game right now? Why are you in the middle pack and not at the front? What is your why? Did you tell me that you wanted to be a world champion? Did you tell me that you wanted to be a national champion? Did you tell me that you wanted to be a city champion? What did you tell me? And the moment they, they have to answer their own why, that's the moment that they get back to work again. 
And it's just a, it's a simple, it's not even a trick. It's just a simple process of asking the individual what they asked of themselves 127 days ago or whatever the case is. Just that reminder of why you're in the game. And then once they can recalibrate as to why they are in their own game of their choice, then we'll figure out how to ratchet up the rotary dial on the pressure testing system to get them to the front of that pack. Absolutely. <clears throat> uh, I got a couple comments here I want to hit on, but any other thoughts on that before we jump in? Okay. Uh, so Julie Kelly jumps in with this uh, focus, discipline, and a positive mindset are key to peak performance. I agree. Ask the high performers for help. That It makes perfect sense. I can't think of anybody in a high performance area that would tell you no. <laughs> I'm not going to tell you how I got here kind of deal. Uh, I can. I've seen you it can. happen many times, for, yeah. for sure. Uh, for sure, I've seen it happen uh, amongst professional athletes who are protecting the keys to their tiny little, not even existent empire, where they feel their center of the universe uh, uh, requires them to hold back their quote-unquote trade secrets. I've seen it a lot. And uh, because I saw it enough, I decided to do the complete opposite and uh, screw over all of the quote-unquote uh, mega cyclists and give away as much information as I could for free. Uh, so, so yeah, there is a lot of disinformation out there. There is a lot of empire gatekeeping out there, and I don't like it. So I decided to run a counter program. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, and the last one I got here is who dares wins. I just wanted to add that in there because yeah. Um, now we're just about at time here. So let's get some final thoughts and then we will shut her down for the day. But, uh, first I do want to say thank you to all the people, um, that are watching and all the people that are commenting. Thanks so much. And anybody that's watching this after the fact, by all means, continue to throw your, your, your thoughts and your concepts into the comment section. We read them all. And I'd love to hear your guys' opinions on peak performance on the foundations thereof and what you guys believe they are. Um, so let's go around the table. We'll get some final thoughts. And then I'll uh, start with you, Seb. What do you think? Final thoughts on foundations, peak performance? Yeah, I would say why, how, and when is is the questions that you have to be able to answer. And those questions have a portability. So you can you can take your basic character traits or your basic attitude and take it anywhere as as Dean alluded to earlier with respect to you could be in business, it could be in athletics, it could be in X, Y, and Z. But if you have those I feel like if you have those as as foundational as a foundational basis, you're good to go. So why are you doing it? have that cemented in you because when things start creeping on you, you need to be anchored in that. Otherwise you will find a way out. And then how you're going to get there one way or another, trial by fire or having a, a planned approach or whatever the case may be, speak to the people that you need to speak to. And at the end of it, when are you enacting, enacting that plan? Yesterday was the best time. Today is the next best, best time. And tomorrow is, you know, yeah. So on and so forth. <laughs> uh, Dean, what do you think? Final thoughts? Yeah, I, uh, I agree with Seb there, you know, the wise. But I think for me as well is you don't compare yourself to other other people. You are unique. You are that person. The people did it to me. You go, oh, such and such does it like that. Well, I'm not that person. I am Dean Stott, and this is how I – you know your body and mind better than anyone else. You know, social media doesn't help matters when you see everyone's successes. But what they don't show you is all their – the dark days and, and, and stuff like that. So, you know, have a plan, educate yourself, ask, don't be scared to ask, uh, don't be scared to ask and, and, and learn as much as possible. And, you know, there will be times where you hit your lows, um, but learn from that, pick yourself up and then just aim for those highs. It's worth Absolutely. it. In the end. Absolutely. Uh, Sean, final thoughts. Uh, hard to uh, add anything more to that, I think, but maybe, for anyone out there who's not achieved their own version of peak performance, whatever that means to them, um, don't misconstrue anything that we've said today in respect to peak performance means you're top of the field. You're the, you're the uh, CEO of the entire business world. That to me isn't peak performance. Those are titles. Those are outcomes. 
to me, peak performance is effectively and efficiently becoming the best version of yourself. That is peak performance. Uh, but that doesn't mean that you'll be a world champion. It means that you'll be your own champion in life. In anything that you set your mind to, you just don't have to yardstick yourself against everyone around you other than to get a sense of how you're doing. The outcome that you set for yourself is the only thing that matters for you. So be a champion in your own outcome. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, and to, to finish off, I do want to say thanks, Dean, very much for coming on. Thank you, Seb, for joining us. And Sean, always good chatting with you every day, obviously. And uh, I just wanted to reiterate a lot of what we were saying, but I'm not going to be... I think it's been said many times over. So as we all learn how to build our own foundations, we can then continue to build them into who we are, what we want to do, and grow into the people that we're meant to be. And you can do that with us every day here on The Collective. See you all tomorrow. Chimo.